0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this very special episode. I'm here with my mom and doctor, Simone Bartos. You guys know her from the vlogs. Every video she's in, I get a hundred comments talking about how beautiful your mom is and oh my gosh, your mom's so pretty. I'm like, I know, I know.
1: (laughs) You get that from
0: me. Yes. (laughs) So uh, who are you? Describe yourself in a snapshot for those who may not know already. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having
1: me. I feel like I'm royalty that stepped <laughs> onto the camera set. So thank you so much. I hope that your uh, listeners and viewers find value in our conversation. It's definitely my honor to be here. Who am I? That's the million dollar question, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say that I am a hmm, probably a hopeless romantic who's always looking for meaningful relationships and hoping to live a life that matters. Like you said, many of your listeners know, I am uh, married since I was 19 with my the love of my life, my husband now, John. My dad. Yay! <laughs> I have the two of you, uh, Rachel and Jonathan. I am a doctor now that just opened her new practice. I would say that I'm living my third chapter in life. I feel like it's as good as ever. It's It's everything that I wanted it to be and more.
0: Yes, definitely. This is a very exciting chapter. You guys have seen me a little bit behind the scenes working a little bit here and there for her practice. Honestly, one of the most exciting things that I've ever seen like my parents do because my dad is always a businessman, always working. Um, I'm used to that. But seeing my mom like start something new and really accomplish her dream is just like, wow it's crazy thank you thank you so much it was a long (laughs) road but worth every second of it yeah and we'll definitely get into that as we go on but uh what we do in this podcast is what is your high and low of the week what was the best thing and the worst thing that happened to you this week i'll go first while you think my low is that there wasn't the bachelor this week it was like football or something And we recently started going over to my brother's house to watch The Bachelor. So it's kind of like a social thing too. And especially during No Spend January, we're like dying to do like anything that's free. So yeah, that would be my low. My high, probably that we just finished painting like the final touches on the outside of our house. That's kind of like a cloud that was looming over my head. And so I'm really glad that that is completely done. And I never have to think about it again, because that was a long, hard process of painting the house.
1: Wow. Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm a good painter though, if you ever want to oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's
0: where I got it from. I was like, there's no way I'm hiring anybody to paint our house. Like we're going to do it ourselves. Right.
1: And that's how we grew up. Uh, if you can do it yourself, you just really can't hire anybody
0: Even if it takes you five times as long. Which makes no business financial sense. (laughs) It really doesn't. Yeah. No, but honestly it would have costed us $2,000 in labor to paint the house. So I'm really glad that we stuck it out Mm -hmm. and just like saved the money. Right.
1: Uh, But yeah, unfortunately, that's one of the things that I have had to break away from in my adult life to be like, if somebody can do it better and cheaper than you, don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I think when I talked about that uh, vis-a-vis getting a cleaning help, Mm -hmm. getting cleaning help in the house when you started your uh, video camera career i said to you you do what you enjoy you are much more productive you live your best life yeah and then somebody else can do you know.
0: Yeah, my mom's the one who convinced me to finally hire someone to clean my house because what would happen was I would normally clean my house every Saturday. I would spend like 3-4 hours deep cleaning the house every Saturday morning. But then I started YouTube and that was really time consuming and I would have to clean the house on Friday nights after work so that I could film Saturday and edit and upload Sunday and like keep my schedule. So after a while of cleaning my house for 3 hours on Friday night, I was like, "I <laughs> Can't do this anymore, my mom convinced me. Just hire the dang cleaning people. Like just get over it and spend that time doing something you love, something that potentially earns you money, and something that just satisfies you. Absolutely. Sometimes you really have to question your old
1: habits and really look at it from a different point of view and see if they still make sense, or you can just abandon them and start new. So this is a good example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Very proud of you.
0: Thanks. (laughs) So what was your high and low? Uh my high
1: and low has to do with my new practice now. So uh, definitely my high would be meeting my new patients for the first time. It's just such an honor that somebody would choose me, that they would come and entrust their care to me. So to me, I'm just like tickled to death when that happens. Uh, My low would have to be scrubbing my
0: floors for about two hours. Oh, wow. (laughs) Did you not hire that cleaning company I sent you? No, we don't have a cleaning crew yet. Oh my (laughs) gosh. You need to take a piece of your own advice
1: well, in business, you have to be productive and it has to make financial sense before you add services. So I'm not at the point where you were when I gave you that advice. Um, so for now, I, I scrubbed my floors for about two hours. Um, wow. But no job is, is lower than, than you. So Exactly. Yeah.
0: No big deal. A dermatologist <laughs> scrubbing her own toilets. Yep. That is the American dream. <laughs> One of the things that my parents taught me is that no matter how much money you have, and you guys know that my family is very comfortable when it comes to that, but even through the years of having more than enough, my parents always taught me the value of money and that if you need to get on your hands and knees, that's what you got to do. And you do it. And you smile. (laughs) Or not. It's okay. (laughs) So walk us through a work day in the life of Dr. Bartos.
1: I work eight to five. I'm there with my staff, uh, mainly keeping the clinic open and and waiting for patients to come in. We do have our neighbors that stop by. We are in a medical plaza. So many of the nurses and medical assistants and even physicians have walked in. So there's value in just keeping your place open. Uh, And when we're not with patients, we uh, focus on advertising. We do TikTok videos. Mm -hmm. We get on Instagram and social media and just have fun. But it's all hands on deck thinking brainstorming how to make our new practice successful
0: and what do your weekends look like
1: what do you do for fun Hmm. I am an avid cyclist. I used to race in a professional team up until two years ago, before I took a big fall. Uh, But I still am a crazy cyclist. Yesterday, I rode uh, about 45 miles. This morning, I rode another 40 miles. Wow! On Sundays, we go to church, uh, family lunch, whenever we get a chance, then nap and just kind of sit around. Uh, My husband loves to read, so we have that alone time as well. But just chilled, you know, exercise, family, church, chill. Yeah, (laughs) well-rounded.
0: What made you want to
1: pursue being a doctor? I did not set out to be a doctor. I did not even think that I liked medicine. So when I was 19, uh, new in the country, you know, dazed and confused and kind of lost. Where Um, are you from? Romania. I figured, let me go to nursing school. It's a good job. Um, I didn't know if I would like medicine or if I would be good at it. So I figured, you know, start a new job, start a good career. And whether you fall in love with it or not, you'll figure it out. If you don't fall in love with it, at least you'll be in a good job. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I ended up falling in love with medicine and that has become my calling and I was able to transition from having a job to having a career and a calling, it was fortunate for Mm me. Um, But I think that, for young people, and this is how we raised you and your brother, we always said, get into a good job, whether you love it or not, you will discover, yeah. but at least it will pay the bills. You will be able to support yourself, support your family, get into a good job and let your passion find you. If it finds you, you're going to do great. If it doesn't, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And and this was you growing up, uh, wanting to go to law school. Mm. Um, R.I.P. Changed- <laughs> then you uh, middle of college you change into finance business major Mm -hmm. one reason being that you didn't have another love and Mm -hmm. we always supported that we said you know get a good job and let passion find you passionless i was (laughs) (laughs) no longer (laughs) now you're a beast behind that cam in front of that camera i should say in front and behind Mm -hmm. depending on the day And in front of the microphone. So, how fortunate you are that passion has found you. Yeah, definitely. Right. But if it hadn't, you would be in a good job. Right. Right? Yes. And th- this is the whole key. You can't start off at the age of whatever, young age, to be like, I won't do anything because I'm not passionate about anything. No, mm-hmm. you gotta be in motion, you gotta pursue. gotta go to college you gotta work hard and if you never become passionate well too bad for you at least you'll have a job (laughs) (laughs) you'll have a good paying job yeah yeah
0: very good advice
1: so this is why this is one of the reasons we drove you guys so mad when you were young I mean, going to college and being successful was not an option, was not, was not optional. Mm-hmm. It was just the thing that you're going to do.
0: I spoke with Jenna about this. Jenna is a first-generation Korean-American the same way that I am a Romanian-American. And we were talking about how our immigrant parents are very hardcore. And so I want to ask you, your childhood growing up in communist Romania, did that have anything to do with your passion and your determination today? I mean, of
1: course, a thousand percent. As you know, your father and I are one generation removed from poverty. So we know, we remember our families being Mm -hmm. in need, right? Mm -hmm. So for us raising you, being thrifty and saving money and being successful and going to college, it was not a matter of self-actualization, like Maslow would say. It was a matter of basic needs, Mm food, food shelter, safety, then relationship, and much later on, self-actualization. So I know many of your peers think of your career as self-actualization, but for
0: people like us, it was... Survival. Survival. It was basic needs. And that's a huge thing in this generation If you're like me and you you may have immigrant parents, they were doing it to survive and we're doing it to thrive in a way. We're doing it to feel good and to feel like we're being fulfilled. But that's not the case for most of the world. That's not the case for most of our parents and our grandparents and our ancestors. So it does benefit us to take a beat and look back and and just realize, wow, we are so privileged. I am so privileged to be able to pursue something I'm passionate about because that would not be the case uh, for my parents.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I remember we were going to restaurants uh, with you growing up, and we did not buy soda on principle. Or juice, never.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And no appetizers.
1: No, I mean, you need to spend money on what is needed and not waste money so soda and juice are bad for you they cost money therefore the answer is a solid no always yes like period yeah.
0: <laughs> it wasn't even it wasn't even a question like we just knew water with lemon ask for free sugar if you want Olive garden uh no appetizers sometimes we would get dessert because dad had a sweet tooth yes he still does would. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's i'm really grateful for that because even to this day Asia and i we'd never even think to order anything besides water like we don't even really order drinks um because we're just like
1: we don't need it we're fine without drink. it Little things like that you know and uh, for example like you know you're buying your new car if the car next to it is blue and it's three thousand dollars less of course you're getting the blue car <laughs> Right. <laughs> like You're not going to get the color of your choice because the blue car is cheaper. Yeah. Um, and it was just things like that where one of my big values um, raising you guys was that you're not spoiled. Mm-hmm. You could not be spoiled. You could not take it for granted. Money doesn't grow on trees. What are some <laughs> other
0: things? What are some other little things that you did? Like, for example, not buying sodas or anything else that you consciously made an effort to do with us? Yeah. Uh, one thing that probably drove
1: more your brother than you crazy, because I think I got better by the time you came around four <laughs> years later, but I could not stand laziness. So when I saw, you know, he had to work every break after he was like 15, 16, he had to work every Christmas break, every summer break. Uh, And whenever I saw that he would get lazy, I would give him less of an allowance and make him work more Uh, on principle again, not because it wasn't about money, but my children could not be lazy or entitled. For me, again, that was a high value for you to be appreciative and to be earning your keep or to be able to Mm -hmm. appreciate what's happening. Mm -hmm. right on so I drove in crazy he was a dishwasher in a restaurant you were you had had your share of it you were like a balloon maker I was a balloon artist
0: I would do I would do balloon art and I had a pin on my chest that said I twist for tips Mm -hmm. and I would go to the rainforest cafe on a Saturday afternoon I would work four hours and I would make 250 bucks
1: as a teenager
0: in tips I would go up to tables and say do you want a monkey out of a balloon and they would be like no get away from me And just so you guys, you may not realize, but
1: Rachel, does not really love to be around people
0: oh it was the i hated it i don't like to go up to people who are eating a nice dinner and disturb them
1: interrupt them yeah it's
0: different if you're a waiter because they expect you to be there and they need you but they don't need a girl who's like bugging them for right. a tip for right. a balloon animal
1: making the parents feel
0: bad in front of the
1: children who are now begging for a balloon that costs yeah money.
0: it's so awkward it's yeah. cringe but the money was good and i put my shame to the side and you had to pay
1: for your expenses, so you
0: had to work. I actually didn't. I don't remember having to pay for much. So I think you had a good balance there because I was never like, oh, I need to make a few bucks so I can buy a shirt, or maybe I just didn't care about. You fashion. didn't want
1: anything. No, Rachel was not a girly girl. She never wanted anything. I would say to her, let's go shopping for clothes. Let's buy you
0: some hair things. She'd be like,
1: no, I'm fine.
0: <laughs> always content that's crazy because doing a no spend january right now i feel back to my prime self like Mm -hmm. i feel like i've gotten back to that whereas last year i was kind of like oh i have money now like let me buy everything i can but now i feel like i'm that little girl again who like doesn't care about anything yeah i remember um almost like
1: blackmailing you emotionally to be like hey come to the store with me i'll buy you anything you want and be like okay fine (laughs) So we would go shopping, you know, you would keep me company and I would buy you clothes, but you felt like I'm doing her such a favor.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. So what is it like being married to my dad, an entrepreneur, business owner who's constantly grinding?
1: The grind is real and it's constant, but I know his heart behind the scenes. So I see the softer side of him. He doesn't scare me at all.
0: (laughs) That um, makes one of us. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's a fierce guy, but um, he has the biggest heart and he's the biggest teddy bear when he comes home. So. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> like, as soon as he leaves the office, he physically calls me on the phone to catch up. Uh-huh. You know, that's he, cute. we won't talk for 12, 15 hours. And he, when he gets in the car, he calls me. He can't. Now he switches,
0: you know. Yeah. Um, You're the one person in his life who can tell him straight. Oh yeah. And do I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did him being such a successful business owner who works a lot of hours, did that have anything to do with you pursuing medical school later in life? Did you feel like, Oh, he's working more. So maybe I should work more. Or do you think that didn't impact you at all? Of course it impacted me. Uh, but it impacted me 30 years ago.
1: Again, I was very young, and he would come from work, and he, as any good man, would lay on the sofa and put his feet up and wait for dinner to be served. And I remember thinking, well, he deserves all of that, and he did, uh, because he worked so hard all day. And then I said to myself one night, one day, I'm going to be that person as well. Not instead of him, but in addition to him. I'm going to have a full day of work. I'm going to come home, put my feet up, and say, where's dinner? wow yeah and i said to myself why can it be me versus him or both of us or neither or whatever Mm -hmm. and at that point, I felt like I'm gonna be the badass career woman as well. As a man has dreams and has pursuits and has desires, so did I. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, it was just a technicality. Right. But now, when when we both come home and we it's dinner time and it's 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 whatever. It's we order, we go out, we cook or not. But not one of us has their feet up more than the other. Love that. Yeah. And why not? Yeah, you know for sure, and he's he's so chilled, and this is one of the thing about him. He would never make that differentiation between us to say that his career is more important or his time. No, he wouldn't dare. He wouldn't dare. <laughs>
0: he's learned early on. <laughs> you got to train him early.
1: <laughs> and that was one of the drivers for me. Like I remember, I was pregnant with your brother when this started. That I wanted to go out. I wanted to have meaningful relationships and a meaningful job and a meaningful this and that. And I hadn't at the time and i was like i just have to create it yeah nobody's gonna give it to me if i want to put on my feet and feel great about my day i better do something great so yeah didn't you start off as a nurse assistant I was a licensed practical nurse, which
0: is LPN, slightly lower than an RN. Okay. And then as soon as you finished that school, correct me if I'm wrong, you went directly into physician assistant school.
1: No, actually I did. So after that, I had you and I stayed home for about two and a half years in this time while you were a baby i did a um, lpn to rn course online i would take courses online while being home with you so you went from an lpn to an rn correct online <laughs>
0: and then you went while to PA school you,
1: yes while having you because i wanted to and we can get into this later but the the guilt of motherhood versus career is is the topic for another conversation oh wow yeah but um At that time, I wanted to do a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. and
0: I wanted to do them in a great way. So you wanted to stay home, but you also wanted to continue school. Yeah. So then you went directly to PA school. You were just like, uh, why not? Or what was your train of thought there? So
1: after getting my nursing degree, because I didn't have a green card and I couldn't work, I got my diploma. I cried hysterically the whole night. I put it in a drawer to be visited later and i spent the next summer being depressed about
0: life at what stage were you in your immigration journey like was there a point of no hope where were you was it like oh i'll get my my papers in a year it'll be fine or like where were you so we were here at about eight years in no
1: specific date Of resolution. About nine years uh, into it, the judge gave us three months to leave the country. So we had you and your brother, I was already in PA school. And the judge said, your case is denied, you have three months to leave the country.
0: So you said you couldn't work, but dad was working?
1: Yes, he had a work authorization. But But you didn't? Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. So after spending the summer being depressed about
0: my career that was not happening in any way, I went to PA school. So, you were like, okay, maybe by the time I'm done with PA school, maybe I'll have my papers and be able to work. Correct. Is yeah. that what happened? That's what happened, yes. Wow. Yep. So,
1: just before graduating PA school, I finally got my green card.
0: Wow. Yeah, so... And then you started working as a PA. This is when my childhood memories actually begin, is you working as a PA, and you bringing us to school, and then you would work until like 3pm, and then you would pick us up, mm-hmm. and then... Yeah, actually, your dad was dropping you off in the morning, and I would pick you up only on Thursdays because you worked late Thursdays. Remember, this
1: was at Steiner's, but you don't remember the hospital the three years before. Oh no, I don't remember that. Yeah, so during the my hospital work for three years, your dad would drop you off because I my work started at six a.m. and I would pick you up at three p.m.
0: I just remember when my dad brought us to school, he would drop us off at like (laughs) six forty, and our school started at eight, so we would be the only kids there outside waiting for them to open the gate and it was just like i remember that and some days it would be cold was that Um, traumatizing at all no it wasn't traumatizing it was just like awkward when you're a kid like you care about the little the little things like that and so i was like oh it's thursday like we gotta sit outside for an hour for sure
1: and and just to piggyback on that it was heavy on us too dropping you off and leaving you like that really of course i already mentioned tangentially the mother guilt it's just so real and so intense and so ever present like you always think about these things
0: wow yeah
1: 100 percent.
0: we never had to stay in aftercare though that's a plus right a lot of kids had to stay in aftercare because their parents worked but you managed somehow to Mm -hmm. pick us up we also had a good amount of family that would
1: tag team if we ever had to be late so hashtag family yes
0: So you worked as a PA for what, 10 years? About eight years. Eight years. And then walk me through this process of deciding to go to medical school. The blessing
1: of knowing you can do more is also the curse of knowing that you can do more. And that was me working as a PA. I felt that I was smart enough. I wanted very much to be a business owner and to be kind of in charge of my patient care.
0: You wanted to be (laughs) the doctor in the room. I wanted to be the boss. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: So that became a, almost like an obsessive thought. Once you realize it, you can't unsee it. But that, of course, had to be balanced with my reality of my family. One of the reasons that I first went to PA school to begin with was to be accessible, to be home with the children, to raise them well, for them not to miss me too much, or for them to be like traumatized from my career choices. This torment went on throughout the years. Mm -hmm. So while on one hand, selfishly, you want self-actualization now you have the children whom you love who you dedicated your life to raising and you don't want to hurt them Mm -hmm. so um, it took me many years of deciding whether I should do it and then when I should do it when I could do it so when was that that was when your brother started driving so he was able to help with you going to school and coming back Mm -hmm. I was 38 years old uh, and I figured this is my only window, or what I thought was my only window. Like I was still young ish. Mm-hmm. You were old enough where you didn't need me 24 7. Mm-hmm. What year was your first year? 2011? Yes. I started medical school 2012. So about 2010, 2011. Is yeah. When I-, I
0: believe that was my first year of high school. Yeah. Because I remember. I would come home from school, and we would both sit at the dinner table, and we would study for like two <laughs> hours. I was at one end, you were at the other. We were both studying. Yep. No communication necessary. Nope. We were just like, here we are. Rachel was not a talker. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would make dinner, we would have dinner, and then that's it. So I have a lot of memories of just studying. Yeah, together. Yep.
1: Yeah, I remember when your brother was about ready to go to college is when I said to myself, I'm 38 years old. I'm not going to be an empty nester. I ne- I have so much life left in me. So we're going to do this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How do you think it affected your kids, you going to school? Now, there's no expectations for this answer. It could be literally anything. How do you think it affected your kids watching their mother do something that normally a 25 year old does?: Well,
1: one always hopes that they are inspired and they are proud of you, but then the fear is that they despise you and then they miss you and they think that they are ignored or mm-hmm. placed on you know on the back burner. Yeah, welcome to Parenthood) <laughs>
0: I can't even imagine. Yeah. Well, for one, I was definitely like, wow, there's nothing my mom, like there's nothing my mom can't do. Like if she wants something, nothing will stop her. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter how old she is, how much money she has. Like if yeah. she wants to be a doctor, like get out of her way. Right. <laughs> And that was really inspiring to see like as a woman and dad was always so supportive, so supportive of you. Like he never questioned you, at least in front of the kids. No. It was always just like, yep, this is what she's doing. Like, yeah. So what? What's
1: the big deal? Well, I convinced myself and him and I think you guys that I needed to do it to be happy. And I think it was pretty clear that. That was the case.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't have, I guess I was young. I didn't have any memories of what you were, like what your emotional state was. Cause I, I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. but I guess that makes sense. If that's yeah. the vibe, if that was the vibe and it was like, all right, mom just needs to do this. Yep. She decided, <laughs> uh, but it was not a decision I made lately.
1: It took us literally about five years of arguing every Sunday and putting on the case on the table, like two lawyers, like we were in court every Sunday, your dad and I. Debating this case,
0: what was the largest argument against it?
1: He just didn't see why it would take such a big act for me to feel happy, professionally accomplished. Because I wasn't unhappy; uh, I just professionally needed to do this, and he just didn't understand why it would take such a big act. And I he was said, like basically like,
0: why aren't you content?
1: Right? Can this be enough for you? And I said, it could be, but it's not. So that's it. Hmm. And another thing, the rebellious side of me growing up, whenever I was told no, or people would say, oh, this would be great, but you couldn't accomplish that. I would think of that as a mountain, that I could eat. And I would be like, let me just break it up in small bites. And it's just a matter of time before I'll eat the mountain. Like, I will simply just overwork you. I will out endure you and I will eat the mountain. Like, you know,
0: going to medical school was the same thing. I will just do whatever it takes. Prove them wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you give someone who is thinking about pursuing medicine? Pursuing anything that you think you're passionate about
1: is an absolute yes. And even if you're wrong, you have to change your mind in motion. If you're not sure that you want to pursue medicine, but you have nothing else, pursue medicine Mm -hmm. and you will either fall in love with it or you realize what else you should be doing. But Mm -hmm. be in motion as you're making these decisions. Mm -hmm. Don't be paralyzed with analysis on your couch and be like, well, I'm not sure that I love medicine. Just do it. Like one of my favorite podcaster, uh, podcasters, Gary V says, it's a criticism on young people where it, they want everything to be right before they act on anything. And he goes, at my age, I make a hundred decisions and 80 of them are wrong. And I discard the 80 and I go with the 20 and tomorrow I make another hundred. And I always capitalize on the successful ones. Mm-hmm. And that's a definition of growth. So don't wait to see, do I love medicine before pursuing it? Just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, start that YouTube, start, start that business, just do it.
0: Out of your entire career journey, all of the school, all of the heartaches, which, is the, which part was the absolute hardest and why? It, I would
1: say, again, the young days of being torn between family and career.
0: Really? Yeah. So, so even above starting your own practice. Oh
1: my God, this is nothing. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. But also at this point, being more mature and more experienced, I'm able to let go of some of the overthinking, getting in your head, you know, broken record. But when you're young, you you don't have the fortitude. Right. The hindsight right so opening my practice is is a dream compared to the torment of of a young woman with a family wanting to do so much more that is insane to me well obviously i don't know what that's like but that is crazy and it's interesting i don't think that men go through the same thing i really don't i doubt it even now with covid family has three kids and you know little danny is sick with a cold who stays home the mom obviously the mom like Mm -hmm. nine out of ten why right do we love more? Do we, are we more committed, arguably? <laughs> yeah. So when then the women want to catch up with the men career-wise or socially, emotionally, spiritually, you know, or are really coming from behind.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's hard. It's not the same.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, now that I think about it, one of the major impetuses for me... is <laughs> <laughs> starting my youtube channel was me thinking five years out and thinking like what if i actually do want to stay home with my kids like what a crazy thought because growing up with you guys as parents it was always like oh for sure i'm gonna be that mom who works for sure i'm gonna have a babysitter 24 7 like that's just what was going through my head and then growing up and thinking wait wait, let me actually think about this. What if that's not what I want? What if I do want to be home? I need to still make money because like that's ingrained in me. Like, I'm (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm like a boss babe constantly by birth. I was. Yes, you are. (laughs) So I knew I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to be super successful in something. So I was like, let me try YouTube. And by the grace of God, it's going okay. Right. And like, I'm on track for that. So I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel when I do have, like when I do give birth, I don't know if I'm going to like change my mind, but I want to have that option. I like to have the option to do what I want. Right,
1: And that's exactly my point. Your husband or the other husbands are not making a five-year plan for when they have children and how they're going to feel about their careers. They're not, whether they just don't think about it or they just don't think about it.
0: Yeah, no, I was like, as soon as we got married, I was like, okay let me plan out the next five years and like here we are on the on the last we haven't been married for five years but basically we're at that point where okay like we're actually gonna have kids god willing soon and like Mm -hmm. i'm actually at that point where i would have to make that decision Mm career-wise so yeah it's exciting and scary it's
1: definitely exciting and scary but also if there's one piece of advice that i would give to my younger self i would say relax Mm, you know
0: that's a punch in the gut
1: (laughs) yeah i mean um and i say that to myself every day it comes very unnaturally to me to relax as to our entire family i think
0: it's a hundred percent
1: the fact that nobody really is watching and nobody really cares it's just you in your head you know ruminating i would like to keep that in mind more if i were again 20 years old yeah yeah
0: easier said than done yeah i could take a chill pill every now and then (laughs) describe what it's like what is the feeling like to open your own practice do you feel self-actualized oh my gosh yes
1: i definitely recommend it you know how people say you know it's the pursuit that matters whether you reach your goal or not it doesn't feel as good as the pursuit it's bs it feels better than what you imagine wow Uh, it's it's just uh my office is prettier than i imagine i feel better than i thought i would i love my staff better than i thought i would i get along with them better than i thought i would Mm -hmm. Maybe because I'm coming at it at a later stage in life where I appreciate things more, Mm -hmm. but it actually feels better than I thought. So wow, I recommend it. <laughs> I think you live with the dream and you envision yourself there. And then when you're finally there, you're like, damn, the lights are they're hot on
0: me. I'm, I'm on the stage. This, this is the real thing. So when you wake up in the morning and you are getting ready for work, compare that feeling to the feeling you had getting ready for work as a PA. Because a lot of my listeners can agree, the feeling you have before work says a lot. Of, mm-hmm. it's either dread mm-hmm. it's either neutral or it's either positive right so what are what are those sensations for you um it's
1: never dread i love sunday nights because monday is coming that's insanity yeah i spend sundays visualizing and dreaming and checking the schedule and imagining and thinking where my next ad will be or what is my next strategy and just like what tiktok video we're gonna do tomorrow let me fix my hair
0: did you have those feelings when you were working for someone else as a PA? Zero. No, I shouldn't say. Let me be fair. It's okay to say. Yeah. It's no, okay no, no. to be dramatic. This is a small amount no, of drama. No, no,
1: but I need to be accurate.
0: <laughs> I was like
1: 40% content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I enjoyed my patients. I really appreciated them. I mean, they were bringing me like home cookies and Christmas cards. And they entrusted me with their like lover story affairs, you know. <laughs> but I was not self-actualized. Yeah. Yeah. I need to be the driver of my life. And now Mm -hmm. now I am. It's it's crazy, but it it took me that to be that. I mean, I don't know. That is so
0: powerful because I feel that way with YouTube and obviously a smaller scale than you and dad, but it's like, it's It's like a drug. It's like you're high. It's like you're high, right? It's crazy. And AJ says, says the same thing that he doesn't like the weekends. He prefers the weekdays, Mm. which was completely reverse when he was working an eight to five. Mm -hmm. So it's like when you actually are doing something you love, it truly doesn't feel like work.
1: Right. And and that's what, that's how, you know, you can change and you can do better when you dread your work that's your body and your mind and your soul giving you that cue like Mm -hmm. hey there may be more for you out there just keep searching or keep trying different things you know try delivering pizzas if that's not it try being you know an uber driver like try different things and see what ticks with you Mm -hmm. you know and what makes you like come alive wow yeah so that your body tells you that when you dread your work you can do
0: better generally speaking not like you are gonna have bad moments but of course and it's not yeah. always like oh quit your job and go on a hike and figure it out no it's like maybe start a side hustle and maybe go to school on the weekends and it, it's not necessarily quit your job and right. you know right absolutely try it out see if you're
1: good at, if you suck at it mm-hmm. just don't quit your day job exactly try something else that you're not sucking at
0: right What is the worst or the hardest part about being a business owner in a sense of you don't just go in, see patients and leave, you're responsible for everything in the business. What is the, what's the one thing that makes you tick?
1: Mm. Oh, it's the business management. And thank you, by the way, for helping me manage a little bit. Of course. Yeah. Everything not having to do with medicine or with uh, social media, which I also love, (laughs) So like keeping of the books and paying bills and, you know, licking the envelope, like, mm
0: -mm. (laughs) what about, what about employee management and your employees are great, but even with great employees, it is sometimes Mm -hmm. a struggle to be a good manager. How is that?
1: Yeah. So I have to be better at not complaining or not knocking a negative behavior because it's so easy to do. Since you are in charge, you have the power. It's very easy to be hypercritical. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I do it in the name of oh we're forming your protocols, so they need my feedback. Do they really? Like I'm overcoaching them sometimes. Mm-hmm. What you, the behavior that you notice increases. So if I keep noticing their shortcomings, they will feel that they are not good enough. Whereas if I praise them, uh-huh. if I bring up their uh, their good qualities, they are probably going to open up like a flower and yeah, really be better and better.
0: Self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Right. So it's almost like what you notice grows. So mm-hmm. I, I always work on being less critical um, and giving feedback, but in a much less, uh, and you, this is something you brought up to me in the past, you know, tone it down, mm-hmm. watch your tone, don't speak in anger, mm-hmm. you know, give yourself maybe an hour before you mention something mm-hmm. or maybe don't even mention it at all. Like everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Uh, but that's the fine balance because on the other hand, we are new and we are forming new protocols and my staff needs to know my vibe and my standards. Mm-hmm. So that balance is very important.
0: Yeah, I would say hands down the hardest part of being a business owner, which I'm not in the sense that you and dad are, but I can kind of see from dad's eyes because he brings me into a lot of his struggles is that employee management is the hardest thing Mm -hmm. to do because people are the most complex. The business is easy. It's managing the people and the Mm -hmm. patients and the human connection that is truly the the hardest thing. Yeah. Fortunately for me, I don't mind being in the
1: middle of it or being really involved in a lot of things. Like that doesn't turn me off. Yeah.
0: yeah. I would say I'm a little bit opposite of you in that sense where I prefer not to deal with people most mm-hmm. of the time. Um but that's just because I'm an introvert and you're an extrovert. Right. So, yeah. We I
1: also feel that I have the best solution, you know, for everything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So if there's a problem, of course, let me get involved and fix it because, you know, I have the...
0: <laughs> My mom is, a, is an ENFJ. So I'm mm-hmm. an INTJ. She's a feeler. I'm a thinker, mm-hmm. which sometimes leads us into a little bit of a ruffle. <laughs> and she's also an extrovert and I'm an introvert, which we also have to make efforts on both parts To I am a cat. I mean, I am a dog and Rachel's a cat. <laughs>
1: It's true I can uh, I can go to a bar and talk to 10 strangers for 10 oh, hours that sounds like my worst
0: nightmare <laughs> do you have any goals for 2022?
1: That's an interesting question. I'm more in the Anna camp when it comes to mm. goals um, I don't really make them based on time periods but more like daily or season as the season comes mm-hmm. so no I, I can't say that I do do you what are your goals? Well yeah I mean. <laughs>
0: I just filmed my monthly reset video, which let me, let me pull up my, so my goals for February are to not eat any junk food.
1: Oh dear God.
0: So you guys know I'm doing no spend January. Well, I'm going to do a challenge every month. How this do you year.
1: define junk food though?
0: So the definition of junk food means like literally anything <laughs> that if someone were to see it, anything they that would taste good. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to say processed foods because like Greek yogurt is processed, but that's a health food. So anything that if someone was looking at you eating it, would they would they say, "Hey, Rachel, that's junk food." Basically common sense. So no chips, no hot pockets, no like craft macaroni and cheese. Mm. Health foods or neutral foods only. But the caveat is we can go out to eat this month so you can spend money. Correct. Just Which on healthy foods. Thank God. I would <laughs> rather do a I would rather do a healthy food month than a no spend month. How did it go? Oh my gosh. I feel like I've been reborn. Wow. I feel also simultaneously like a crazy person. I've completely become the opposite of who I was last month. Temporarily. Temporarily. Mm -hmm. And everything's temporary. Right. Um, Because I have not spent any money for the last four weeks. When I see people spending money, Mm -hmm. it's not even a judgment. It's like an instinctual, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe people do this. Hmm. Not in a judgmental way, just in shock.
1: And there's a danger in that where we become a little self righteous and like thinking that we're better than other people because we have cleaned up in such a way. Yeah. Do you, no, do no I don't think
0: I'm better than anyone. It's just genuine shock. Huh. It's shock because I've not stepped set foot in a restaurant for like four months, which is very unusual for me. Are you just hungry? <laughs> It's like when you, when you are in South Florida and you see someone post a picture in the snow, uh-huh. it's the same feeling of, Oh, there's like snow in the world. Right. I had no idea. It's the same feeling. It's not that snow is good or bad. It's just different. Huh? Wow.
1: You that know was what I mean? quick though for you. Yeah. So uh, the power of building a habit over a month. Yeah. Right. Do yeah. something for a month and you'll build a habit. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Going I off. mean, it's not,
0: for the, it's not for the faint of heart. I'm not going to lie. Like. I was telling AJ, there's five weekends in January. We have one weekend left, the Mm. fifth weekend. Wow,
1: and you're counting.
0: And I told him, I don't know if I can do it. I think we should cut it short. Uh And he was like, no, we're going to keep, it's one weekend. Come on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. Wow. It's just, like, it's hard. (laughs) It's like you're fasting and you're counting the last hour. It's truly a fast, and it truly makes you grateful for the smallest things in life, like my chapstick. You can't buy chapstick. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. I ran out. I told this story probably 50 times by now. But I ran out of the chapstick. I was putting lotion on my lips. Uh I told myself it was fine. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) it's fine. And then AJ pulls out a chapstick from, like, one of his bags. And I was like, oh. Thank the Lord, yeah. It's like, wow, the little things, you know? Mm -hmm. It just puts into perspective things I took for granted before. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. That was a good exercise. Mm
0: -hmm. So no junk food February. Yes. And I also want to read one self-help book a month. Mm -hmm. I figured that's the least I could do. Right. Because I find myself in a different headspace when I read self-help, like I just read Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so good after. I felt like I had something to work for. I felt like I had a new idea in my mind. And I think being an influencer, you need ideas and if you're not learning constantly, like what am I ever gonna talk to you guys about if I'm not learning things myself? Right. right. Yeah. You don't wanna be fake. You wanna be genuine. Yeah. And you need inspiration too. So mm-hmm. inspiration, that's the word I was looking for.
1: Yeah. That's one of the reasons I love podcasts and I have a bunch of people that I follow is for that inspiration and the self-help to be like, how can I hack this? How can I do the thing just a little bit better? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think that's about it. We went through all of our questions. Um, this was a great episode. You're a great speaker and I'm sure they loved hearing more about you because they're literally obsessed with you. So be gentle guys. I'll have her stuff linked in the show notes, but you guys already know her. Her practice is called Imperial Dermatology um, and her name is Simona Bartos. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was like the greatest honor in life to be interviewed by my daughter. We'll definitely do this again sometime. Yay. And thank you. Bye.